welcome to another episode of the Under the Bar podcast here with uh, Cam and Rawdon and myself, Tom. Yes. We're in the... What the, are we in? The Tesseract of Noggin. Tesseract of Noggin. Mm-hmm. So, uh, for our listeners that don't know what that is, because I didn't, a cube within a cube. I think apparently. it's a cube within a cube. Yes. Something of that nature. Layer upon layer. Yeah, Cam texted that one through last night in... Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And rightly so. A text message of extreme verbosity, but Mm. uh, I thought that was quite funny. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we're also coming to you out of the Eagle Waves radio studio in Cafe Vivo Vivo. in the heart of Sydney. There's a few sort of meaty hindquarters just waddling back and forth. To enjoy. From time to time, which is always... Pleasant. Very, very pleasant. Anyway. Rawdon, we're talking to Broderick Chavez today. Yes, the evil genius. Yeah, been a couple of weeks, a few episodes before Mm. we... Some water under the bridge. We've had him back on, so we thought we'd get him on. And look, it's been interesting, Rawdon, to you know get his perspective on all these different things. Yeah. Uh, but but now we're going to get his perspective yeah. on on what he does with his uh, athletes. Yes. And Rawdon, you always refer to your clients as athletes, mm. and we'll pose we- the question today. <laughs> this is this is the athletes versus yeah. bodybuilders, yeah. Uh, and ex- never the twain shall meet. No. Yes. Look, uh, I think uh, Broderick and I, you know, have different opinion with those but uh, but yeah I mean mine uh, as I explain is is more just to get them in that athletic mindset to, yeah. to, uh, to eat you know sleep do everything that an athlete will do you know yep. to, to, to help them focus but yeah, really looking forward to this one, Tommy. It's going to be a good one. Yeah, we'll get him on. We'll go through his the differences in, in an athlete and, and mm. a bodybuilder. Because mm. the athlete, you point yourself. Bodybuilder, point to me. Yeah, yes. Uh, yep. Um, and, uh, yeah, how they stack up against each other, mm. How we, how, what sort of impact training has, mm. what he mm. does mm. with his macronutrients. Yeah, interesting. All that kind of stuff. So nutrient timing. Nutrient timing, all that sort of stuff. So it'll be very interesting. We'll get to him shortly. Yep. And, uh, interestingly, talking about athletes, you had a, an, an athletic uh, in Endeavor he took part on in the weekend, some cricket, I think. Well, mate, look, I hadn't played. I, I was quite a decent cricket player back in the day, mm. and mm. Um, I haven't tangles. played. Tangles. Yeah. Like tangles. Haven't played proper cricket for about uh, 12 years. That, that was when I, like, retired wow. the first time. Mm. Mm. Um, and then <laughs> I, I came back and How cool. s- sort of fluffed around a little bit yeah. sort of six years ago. Yep. And I stopped fluffing around with it again when I became a PT, because mm-hmm. obviously mm-hmm. Saturdays get uh, you know you need busy. to sort of make yourself available as a trainer yeah. early, early days to yeah. fill the books blah 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 yeah, blah 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 so um, yeah so it's so that's basically that span of time since I've started training properly mm-hmm. uh, I've then come back to play cricket and one of the questions I'll ask Broderick is you know how much of a difference does strength training really have on a skill sport you know when mm. we're talking about ball sports and fine mm. motor mm. skills and stuff mm. like that so tell me Tommy what did you find on the weekend were you uh, well it, it certainly correlated with what Broderick suggested so I would be, uh, I mean, I don't know, but I'd probably have an extra, at least an extra 10 kilos muscle yeah, mass. Yeah, at least. I, I saw that one of those early pics, remember when we <laughs> yeah. had Murphy's party? That's right, very wiry. Well, well, yeah. <laughs> well I was loose, You're very lifting loose. skirts and getting, uh, you know, asked by, I think it was the last time I drank. That was the last time so, I drank, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, drinking scotches. Uh, yeah, scotches and the, yeah. the, the bouncers. Hey, mate, you've had enough. Come on, let, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's go. You went out quite peacefully. I did. And then vomited in the street, I believe. No, in a little garden up the. Yeah, oh yeah, 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 little one. Yeah, little just, one. just a little short just back and sides. <laughs> yeah, just, just to clear that. it out yeah. so I can get some uh, takeaway food to really <laughs> yeah. add to the adiposity. Yes. Yeah. All right. So, what, how, how was it, man? You were um, well, ten, s- ten kegs up. I scored fifty not out, mm-hmm. so and I batted for a period of time, mm-hmm. and uh, I hit the ball very hard. <laughs> so it was notably, it did, it notably felt, different. It, it felt, you know, for there's a lot of other variables there, yeah. but. but 
for having not played for a long time, mm. the bat felt light mm. and it hit awesome. the ball hard. So maybe there is uh, there Mate. is something to a method to the madness because I mean what Broderick was saying is that look more muscle more strength greater force, force production yep. even in a skilled sport there's going to be some sort of transfer in performance so mm. very interesting stuff very good uh, as I've mentioned Rawdon under the bar podcast website go there mm. for various bits and pieces yep. leave us a speak pipe if there's something you'd like us to address on the program uh-huh. very Out- popular speak pipe yep, yep. <laughs> outside of that uh, we'll talk to the evil genius let's get into yeah. it Reevaluate your life, asshole. You're fucking it up because you can't cheat biology. A thousand grams of carbohydrates a day. That's what I'm fucking doing because you can't cheat biology. Well, Rodden, we've got the evil genius, mm. Roderick Chavez, dialing in from Delaware as he always does. At home alone with the dogs, mm. just uh, having a nice time now. Yeah. Fester and well, Moke. What we know with about Broderick is that he's a, he's a problem solver. Mm. So he's he, an angry problem yeah, solver. Yeah, an <laughs> evil, a disgruntled, an evil problem solver. But if mm. there is an issue, you know, with your training or nutrition or your body or your physiology or something mm. stuck, mm. he's a great person to go and see and get a problem fixed. Yeah, okay? I mean that's what he's uh, he confesses to be very good. He loves at, it laterally. Yeah, loves that kind of Big stuff. Big picture. And then we also know from a, a biological sense is mm. that what we're getting from him is based off the, the fundamentals and the laws and principles of biology. Mm. Mm. I would like to, now that we've sort of explored that, wouldn't mm-hmm. it be nice to actually see, well, what do you just do when you do your thing with your clients? Yeah. You know, give us a little the, look in, look into your, your it, philosophy, you know? Yeah, and that's the thing, like um, for any of our listeners that aren't aware of uh, Broderick's work, it's someone that I've been mentoring with, with for an extended period now. But yeah, I mean, he's he's he is a coach. He yeah. uh, track and field athletes, uh, uh, powerlifters, strongman competitors, and uh, IFBB physique. Uh, he's got quite a few pro cards to his name. So, as much as uh, as awesome as it is hearing the the, the biological uh, how to and, and and what's actually happening in the body, his is probably his biggest skill set is actually getting people uh, jacked as as f and 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 shredded as f and. Uh, and strongest there for everything yeah. in between. So yeah. I'd be foolish not to uh, not to uh, see what his key fundamentals are in that regard, which is uh, which is what we're going to do today. Yep, Roderick, welcome back to the podcast, mate. Nice to have you here, guys. Thanks for uh, bringing me back. Thank you very much. So round three. Is this uh, going to be round three, three or three, four, or four, or something? three, yeah. four, something like that. Now there's a couple of different ways we can do it, Rawdon, but we thought what we would do is start off and have a look. As you mentioned, he, mm. he has the, the pro bodybuilders. Mm-hmm. He's also got the athletes. Ah, yep. Let's have a look at the world of client preparation mm. for those two demographics pitted mm. against each Are other. Are they the same, Tom? Yeah, different things to consider with each. Yeah. So, Broderick, first up, how do you, when someone comes in, I mean, how do you, uh, well, how do you differentiate a bodybuilder from an athlete? And uh, well, and I might chime in there before you answer that. Do you consider bodybuilders athletes, or is it uh, track and field, a typical yeah. sense, and or is everyone an athlete? Well, I, I, for many reasons, including that nomenclature you just spoke, has been usurped by the CrossFit jerk-offs. Um, <laughs> no, I absolutely will not consider bodybuilders an athlete. Um, okay. They certainly do athletic stuff, and I don't mean to besmirch bodybuilding. I love it. I was one, and even to a degree consider myself one today. Mm. But it's not athletics in the sense that they must have hand-eye coordination, speed, uh, all of those things. Fly, there's no requirements for flexibility. Hell, there's 
not even any requirements for health per se. Mm. So I do not consider bodybuilders athletes, although they certainly do some athletic shit in preparation for their pageantry that is physique presentation. Hmm. So I, I say that with the, the 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 utmost respect for bodybuilding, but no, in the world that I live in, they're certainly not athletes. Um, no one uh, judges your ability to run, jump, you know, swing, you know, flip, whatever, in reference to bodybuilding. It's just, they're just not relevant uh, and commensurate. Yep. Very good. Okay, so the <laughs> definitely not athletes. Although yeah. they do athletic things. So I get that. I mean, I I, I do refer to my uh, chosen demographic as physique athletes, but that's purely uh, to get them in the athlete mindset and 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 to think like an athlete. Yeah. And I find that that when they are in that mindset, um, you know, they're much well, more productive. Interestingly, if I could shoot off just on a slight tangent, um, as a child, literally a child, I was a bit of a prodigy in the world of bodybuilding. Uh, and at age 15, I was spending time with uh, Tom Platts and a yeah, couple man. of his contemporaries. And and Tom Platts uh, was, in my mind, the first, uh, certainly the first one vocally, that thought of bodybuilding as actually bodybuilding. He thought of bodybuilding as a business and everything he did uh, you know and this is the pre-digital age everything about his presentation everything about his behavior his, his demeanor even his smile uh, was practiced and prepared so I, I like I said I don't besmirch bodybuilding because an enormous body of width and birth of preparation goes into presenting what these people want you to see but it's not necessarily athletic and and actually like you were alluding to without kind of saying it Rodon, a lot of it is uh mindset and not so much actual athletics yeah. it's meal preparation proper yeah. attitude and all of these things which certainly you could put under the heading of oh behave like an athlete yeah. but i would actually say and, and i'm not criticizing nor arguing i'm simply saying that what way i would word that is behave like a bodybuilder there's no shame there's no there's nothing negative about that statement to me that's a very noble thing behave like a fucking bodybuilder mm, do what you're mm, supposed mm. to do eat properly sleep properly mm. train properly take the proper drugs have the proper mindset because that's what you are and yeah. don't try to be otherwise yeah. uh, i don't like people trying to slide laterally into a, a niche that's not theirs um crossfit people are weekend warriors they're not fucking athletes stop it you're fooling yourself. When you go compete at something and get a trophy, I'll vaguely consider you an athlete. When you're just jumping up and down on a box, you're just trying to get fit. Shut up. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Yeah, that's a good point, Roderick. I mean, I guess even the most gifted bodybuilders mm. wouldn't get there without living the bodybuilder lifestyle. Yeah. But there are plenty of athletes out there that can eat like shit and not train you know, you know, full on all the time, but because they're the most gifted at their sport or a mm. ball sport or something like that, they can still be very Absolutely. good. You know, mm. 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 A Absolutely, it. and I would never argue otherwise. That's mm. that's uh, a reality that we, you know, that we all face. There are some people that can just, with no art classes, can you know sketch amazing drawings. Mm. Uh, it's just in them, and it's a thing to behold. I really don't, again, find a reason to criticize that. Uh, I I respect natural talent just as much as created talent mm -hmm. over your sorry Rodan, just, yeah. just while we're yeah, on that um, on that tangent uh broderick over your have you worked with let's say some athletes that do play in ball sports 
Absolutely. Soccer or football, as you'd refer to it, yep. and American football. I avoid baseball players because they're weenies. Hmm. Uh, tennis. There are lo yep. lots of sports, sure. Okay. And do you see... Um, I'm trying to think the best way to put this, but obviously you're, you're looking for an improvement in their performance and their athletic ability at their yep. sport. But do you see them Absolutely. get better as as the actual um, the the talent that comes into that sport, or is that talent just God given? Their ability to hit a ball and and you know strike a forehand or a backhand, or can that improve with with, with strong with, with being stronger training. and yeah? Well. They're, they're, you're, you're probably asking a bunch of different questions all at once. <laughs> uh, no matter what aspect of an athletic endeavor you're talking about, there are abil there are ways and techniques in which to improve it. Can you improve your hand-eye coordination? Can you uh, improve your neurological uh, efficiency? All of those sorts of things. Can you even learn to run better? Yes, all of that is a skill, and like any skill, you could get better or worse at it. Mm. Having said that, largely, not always, but largely, the stronger you are, the more efficient you are at movement. Muscles move you, the bigger and stronger your muscles are, largely, the better and more efficiently you move. Uh, you can get to the point of like pro bodybuilder-ish, where you round the corner and then the muscles actually become a burden and you begin to move awkwardly, but in athletics, those sort of exaggerated body weights rarely happen, mm. uh, so it's not really an issue. But yes, roughly speaking, you take amazing golfer, put 20 pounds of muscle on them, they're a bigger, stronger, amazing golfer that can hit the ball just a little bit further, L largely. There's, there's exceptions to that, but in general. Awesome. <laughs> especially, in, especially in the world of sports where most of their formative years were spent developing their skills mm, yeah. and not so much developing their musculature, physique, athleticism. So that's largely uh, the last real vector of improvement they have available to them. Yes, that's fascinating, Broderick. And um, you know, uh, being somewhat uh, not an SNC coach by any stretch of the imagination, either of us, Tom. But that would be if you were asked and put on the spot. Uh, oh, excuse me. If I get uh, stronger and build muscle, will I be better at my sport? Generally, we would say, yeah, I think so. You know, you're going to be able to generate more force, and yeah, I think it would be a good thing. Absolutely. So, what you're saying, Broderick, is you've actually seen that firsthand that that you know anyone that you've been involved with fundamentally have improved uh, their performance with a with the in regards to muscle mass, albeit you know perhaps cardiovascular ability and and, and those sorts of things with uh, depending on the, the the athlete that you're working with but you have pretty much categorically seen everyone uh, improve their game or their performance with uh, an improve uh, improvement in their muscle mass and and certainly strength mm. Yeah, I think a perfect example, I don't know how far removed you are, I may be speaking a foreign language, but uh, American baseball went through a bit of a renaissance in the late 90s, and ironically, a lot of that renaissance was actually the discovery and application of steroids, <laughs> and we had you know home run records aplenty, everybody was hitting a ball further and further. Well, steroids don't help you hit a ball. The, the ability to connect the stick with the ball, that's hand-eye coordination, skill, etc. So the steroids weren't improving that. What they were doing was making people bigger and stronger so that ball strikes that were at one time infield strikes were now being home run strikes simply because they were bigger and stronger and hitting the ball farther. Yeah. So the you know, granted that was largely responsible due to steroids, but the result of the steroid use was bigger, stronger athletes Muscles, yeah. and 
strangely bigger, stronger athletes seem to be more exciting, more entertaining, and in a in a sense anyway, perform better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I suppose there will be exceptions, but yeah, generally yeah. speaking, that's fascinating. All do right. You, do you reckon, Broderick? I'll just ask Chuck another one. Yeah, in there go while on. I while can. he's there. What do you think the prevalence of uh, anabolic use is in in professional sports? You know, I, I was watching. Oh, no, don't get him started on that, Tommy. I was geez. watching the the grand final, the rugby league grand final on the weekend, and I just thought, man, you know, these guys are big, and and I know what it's like when you're trying to put muscle on natural guys. As soon as they start running, particularly mm. the volume of running that these guys are <laughs> doing, I, just don't, I don't know how they... how they. I mean, granted, these guys are genetically gifted, gifted so yeah. maybe they can hold that much muscle, but I don't know, Brody. What do you reckon is going on? Well, I'll, I'll be very careful in my wording. First yeah. of all, I know almost nothing about rugby uh, simply because it just isn't here, yeah. and so I don't really have access to those people to make a legitimate access, assessment. Yeah, yeah. Um, in reference to American sports and or international sports, uh, I have personally coached a lot, uh, people that have gone to the Olympic Games. Um, my personal assessment is drug use is just about 100%. Now, let me connotate that with I am also the drug guy, so it's highly yeah. unlikely that a ardent, hardcore, I won't do drugs person is really going to come into my sphere. So it could simply be a separation of church and state in that, quote, naturally people just avoid me like the plague, and to some degree I do the same because I just don't <laughs> understand what they do. Yeah. Uh, so, it, it, But as a rule, if I look at the the, the numerical values of human performance at the elite level, it is my belief that that is essentially impossible without the influence of drugs. There would be no sub 10 second 100 meters on planet Earth if there weren't drugs. There would be no 500 pound clean and jerks if there was no drugs. It just simply is beyond the human genome and the fact that it's happening tells me that it's under the influence of pharmacology. Hmm. And and wouldn't be the wouldn't the Olympic Games be boring? Wouldn't it be boring? Who would watch the run uh, a twelve twelve embarrassing a twelve second hundred meter yawn? Yeah. We can't go back now. No. All right, where are we going to go? Nutrition we, we training. St- yeah, why don't we start with nutrition, uh, Broderick? You've spoken about in in the past, you know, in terms of the hierarchy of energy usage mm-hmm. and the carbohydrates yeah, being the most efficient source. Yep. So if you're working with athletes or mm. bodybuilders or people who need to generate a lot of energy, is there a difference between the way you, you utilize carbohydrates with these guys? And also, before you jump in there, Broderick, um, why don't we talk about protein requirements as well? Is it is it fundamental <laughs> across the board? Do you find uh, bodybuilders are, or is everyone, as far as you're concerned, well, I'm going to try and get as much muscle as I possibly can. It's more the training stimulus that will limit how much muscle the uh, athlete will put on. But either way, protein is this carbohydrates is this so maybe um when you give us an insight into carbs also let's talk about protein requirements etc between the two sure um start with the protein um this is actually this in invariably hurts bodybuilders feelings and i don't know why but it, it always does it is my experience that bodybuilders for a number of reasons, including drug use, but also largely lifestyle in that bodybuilders are largely very sedentary outside of their rather impressive workouts. The rest of their day, they're not you know, laying bricks, they're not climbing scaffolding, they're not you know, doing anything outrageous. Uh, bodybuilders actually, in my purview, are the minimum 
of the maximum group in terms of protein intake. Obviously, they need more protein than your grandmother who just sits home and you know knits. Fine, <laughs> but among actual athletes, they're on the lower tier. Um, partly because large amounts of anabolic steroids do uh, prioritize protein retention, nitrogen efficiency. Therefore, they they actually are utilizing it better, but also high-level metabolism, running, you know, really digging into energy reserves, expends a large number of uh, metabolically active amino acids, glycine, glutamine, branched-chain amino acids, and because of that, their actual nitrogen requirements can be higher than someone else of a commensurate body weight. So activity actually does influence protein requirements, and in that scale of activity being athletic if you will bodybuilders are actually at the bottom of the tier most bodybuilders have plenty of protein at two grams per kilogram whereas someone like um your aforementioned rugby i'm assuming in my mind it's very similar in, in volume of work to soccer and mm -hmm. soccer players can consume as much as five grams of nitrogen per kilogram and not be overfed simply because they're just breaking down that volume it's an enormously catabolic event and to stem and or uh, relieve the catabolism they need that level of nitrogen right, Fascinating. All right. Yeah, really so athletes get the nod when it comes to protein, protein requirements if you're working with an athlete roderick in that kind of catabolic semi-endurance sort of environment do you supplement some sort of intra nutrition are they having stuff amino while they're amino or, acids now or anything, or? uh you know whole food guy you, 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 shaky ground talking about <laughs> supplements there tommy we'll see what he says yeah there's a, there's an occasion where everything crops up I, I would say no but there you can always back me into a corner and say what about what about and there's always the what about but in general my attitudes on nutrition are do one fucking thing at a time. If you're training, train. If you're eating, eat. Mm. I don't like this mixed metaphor of do a set, stop, drink, eat, pee, whatever. I, I, it's just goofy to me. Um, there, I, Like I said, there's always an exception. You could dream up some elaborate scenario where the person's training for ridiculously long periods of time and are mm. taking ridiculous large amounts of anabolics and insulin. And the, Okay, yes, it happens. But in general, I like a nice separation of church and state. Eat your food during your meals. Lift your weights during your workout. Stop blending the two together and smearing mayonnaise on the barbells. I hate that. So <laughs> that's my rough attitude on that. Um, it is rough. Uh, okay, so two grams uh, per kilo, you start somewhere around there for bodybuilders. Do you have a, a number when you're working with the athletic population or is it uh, um, individual specific depending on their sport? It, it is largely individual specific, but I say individual more in... Uh, conditionally specific. What are they doing? Yeah. And even you can't even pigeonhole it by sport because, for instance, as you mentioned, some people just have greater gifts than others. Mm. So training volume, total hours spent, is largely the influencer of what you're going to burn up and in what volumes, not really what you do. You might have two people that play exactly the same position in sports, but one has to train two hours per week and one has to train 22 hours per week. Yeah. So there obviously is going to be different requirements in terms of fueling and recovering from that. So I really look at it more in a what needs to be accomplished and let's fuel that, not really talk about 
the nomenclature okay. of, oh, I am a guard or a wing or a whatever. Yeah. I don't really care. I don't fucking play sports. Tell me what you're going to do, and I'll tell you what to eat to get it done. Okay, okay, okay. So volume training, volume influence would uh, would be where you would go with your, your protein requirements. That's awesome. And uh, very specific, Tommy. Absolutely. It's not one, one, one size fits yeah. all. Yeah. All right, well, that's protein. Let's uh, let's delve into the, the murky world of uh, carbohydrates, which uh, which you love. Uh, let's let, let's talk about that from um, from both again. Bodybuilding, pretty sure we're gonna we're gonna hear that they're uh, key, Tommy. But uh, but then also athletes again. Mm. Uh, I'm assuming you go down, gonna go down the the case by case, volume specific. But maybe some um, some scary scary numbers as well. I want to hear like 10 grams per kilo or something uh, come out of your um, mouth. But uh, oh yeah, I can go for I it. Could, I could tell you tell you ridiculousness. But let's start with. Um, kind of just a, a basic overview. My mm. basic overview on carbohydrates at large is this. The more you can consume and still accomplish your goals in terms of weight, leanness, and performance, the better. It's generally the vector that nutrition comes from. Things that have carbohydrates strangely also possess good nutrition. That's where your fiber comes from. That's largely where your vitamins come from. Mm. A, a large amount of your, your micro minerals. So Carbohydrate foods seem to supply the things that humans need to survive. So largely speaking, the more you can afford, the more you can consume and metabolize and not, as it were, break the bank, the better. It's a great source of human survival. Mm. So I love carbohydrates in the big picture. Now, specific to bodybuilders, bodybuilders actually, in my mind, consume carbohydrates for an entirely different reason than other athletes. Because again, as I said, bodybuilders aren't really doing athleticism. Mm. They're working out, and that's a very purposeful event. They're doing it for a reason, and the reason is to maintain or accrue muscle mass and maintain or shed body fat. Mm. So. Largely, that's an energy balance issue and a hormonal issue. And strangely, if you eat fat, protein, and carbohydrates, the only one that really generates a profound proximal hormonal influence is carbohydrates. Yes, the hormone is that evil insulin, mm. but nonetheless, that's the one that generates the proximal hormonal effect. That's relevant. That has a anti-catabolic possibly anabolic influence proximal to the meal, meaning eating carbohydrates is anti-catabolic at, at worst and anabolic at best. Mm. If your job is to be and create an anabolic environment, you would be foolish to not exploit that pathway. Mm. There's mm. a reason why bodybuilders are notorious for taking exogenous insulin. It's not because it makes you fat and stupid and diabetic. It's because it makes you very large and muscular. Again, if done properly, under the proper environment. Bodybuilders are not foolish, nor would they risk their health for no reason. That insulin obviously has an effect. And for those of you not willing to take exogenous insulin, carbohydrates produce insulin. Mm. Okay. Magic. All right, so for a different reason there. So you, you, you pointed out the bodybuilders, okay, that's from a uh, body composition perspective, relevant for athletes, Correct. of course, but let's talk about, uh, I'm okay. assuming it's going to be energy-related, but let's talk about the, the athlete uh, demographic okay. now for carbohydrates. In, mm. the world of in the world of athletes, you're really talking about carbohydrates for two major reasons, and you might swap priority on these depending on who you're dealing with and to what goal. Obviously, the first is 
energy balance. You need to be able to fuel the endeavor. You have to be able to run X number of minutes or miles or kilometers or whatever. You have to be able to do the thing. If you're laying on your back, wheezing, unable to move, you're very ineffective as an athlete. So you have to be properly fueled. Now, that's that means fueled to perform this event. However, training for an athletic endeavor is largely about repetition. It's about volume of practice. Mm. That's not just the practice today. It's the one tomorrow, the one after that, the three times a day on this day, on and on and on. So you have an issue of energy balance in reference to replenishment, repletion Mm. of stored fuels. Mm. And again, that's very, if not exclusively, carbohydrate dependent you're going to spend energy that may be from fat and all sorts of other vectors while you're doing the activity but the only thing that's going to refuel you or replenish you to be able to complete a commensurate or similar bout of activity is carbohydrates the whole carving up or post-workout this is where that goofy post-workout window came from bodybuilding actually marketing companies usurped that from track and field and athletics if you were for instance a cyclist um your body's going to get fuel from wherever it gets it from so this idea that you need carbohydrates or whatever just to turn the pedals is kind of goofy but the secret is you train x number of miles or kilometers every single day it's not having a degradation in performance from workout to workout so that you can maintain your abilities over time that's where the post-workout window thing came into into play. It was learned through muscle biopsies that consuming carbohydrates post-workout did seem to speed local glycogen synthesis, i.e. Mm. storage, which would mean you could train theoretically more frequently yeah. and get similar. The reason why that's not really relevant to bodybuilders is because by and large – Bodybuilders don't train the same body part every day, Mm. whereas a cyclist does. It's literally, it's your legs. You sit on a seat and you pedal away. Mm. You're not suddenly one day cycling with your arms. So this idea that there's a desperate need to close that recovery window to such a small margin really isn't relevant to most bodybuilders, uh, with the very rare exception of somebody doing something incredibly high frequently. Mm. Uh, Most of the time, the body has plenty of time, the ensuing 48 to 36 hours, to replenish local glycogen through quote normal and natural means that mm. doesn't require some bizarre, uh, cr- you know, crash eating within some certain magic time frame. Yeah. But uh, I digress just because I hate those people. I'm yeah, sorry. I mean, I mean, the exception there, and you probably agree, would be uh, if they were. And again, you'd probably argue um, a case against not. But if they were doing twice a day training, where they were training AM volume, PM volume, there probably would be a need to, you know, perhaps well, uh, focus on it, some in uh, my carbohydrate mind, no, intake. In my mind, no, because it's it's probably not the same body parts. Because again, we're talking about local glycogen storage. Um, so what? I could train arms all day long if my legs are depleted um, and vice versa. I can't train legs twice if my legs are depleted, but who's squatting twice a day or even every day? Um, I mean, I, I understand there are some people doing that, but they're foolish too. So Yeah, well, anyway. we, could, we could agree to disagree <laughs> there, but and we've had that discussion. But yeah, I mean, with the exception of, okay, uh, SRA curves, MPS curves, you probably shouldn't train the same body part, AM and PM, but but people do, and yeah. and, and that would be the, 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 the case of, uh, if there was ever a case where for a yes. bodybuilder, okay, when one of those scenarios, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, uh, what about if, Broderick, if it was the same body part, and if you were training that same body part in the same, you know, 12-hour period, then that would 
perhaps lend itself to uh, to taking carbohydrates. But it's all, 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 all the the point you made that in that that 24, 48, 72 hour that ensues post workout. The interesting to note that even um, like you said. Uh, in the absence of carbohydrates, although carbohydrates would be the most efficient way to uh, replenish lost glycogen stores uh, to fuel for the next workout, the, the body does have other systems where, you know, Absolutely. even if, uh, the, the, I think it's the core recycle, where the, the, the recycling lactate, um, they can actually Absolutely. reload glycogen stores anyway. So, um, yeah, even, given enough even time. The, even the basic Krebs cycle is involved in that for certain. Mm-hmm. The acetic mm-hmm. acid cycle generates metabolites of uh, acetyl-CoA and, and what have you that can then be pushed over into other pathways mm-hmm. and generate, essentially generate synthetic carbohydrate. So, yes. Very cool. I guess okay. there's also um, an implication on the style of training or the quality of training. Like for bodybuilding in certain scenarios, you're prepared. You can actually train a bit depleted or train a bit, you know, you know exactly. not feel good for training. But if yeah. you're trying to master a skill or practice for an event well, and you want to be in a certain mindset, you want to feel good and, and mm. so you can practice a high-quality skill repetition. Yeah. Well, and that's largely the difference Again, well, not largely, but that's one of the major differences between bodybuilding and basically any other activity, Uh, even powerlifting, which most people equate as very similar to bodybuilding. And it's similar in that it's the same rough tools and even to some degree the same rough exercises. But the thing you're trying to accomplish is actually radically different. In bodybuilding, your purpose is to cause muscular damage cause mechanical stress, etc. Whereas in a, say, Olympic lifting or powerlifting, your purpose is to move the bar from A to B to C with the least amount of implications. That's it's literally 100% divergent in what you're trying to accomplish from a physics point of view. Mm-hmm. In bodybuilding, you're trying to cause physical harm yeah. To elicit that whole stress reflex that we talked about earlier uh, and then generate a response, a recovery and then super recovery. Whereas in powerlifting, it's literally just a mathematical equation. You're trying to go from standing upright to hips below knees to standing upright again. And literally, you want to do that with the least amount of physical implications, which will minimize injury and recovery time so that you can do it again. So, and then that gets even more uh, disparate as you move into other sports. So it, it's, it's interesting, a lot of people equate things similarly just because similar mediums are used. Oh, well they go to the gym and they lift weights, they must be doing the same thing. No, not even close. It really is that different and people need to consider it that different. Yeah, very good point there, Broderick. Um, let's uh, while we're talking about uh, you know in the session and when they are going too deep into sets and reps and all that type of stuff. One of the points we spoke sure. about uh, yesterday, if you remember, was the actual uh, Tommy Broderick and I were talking about uh, how I you know will look at load on the bar being a proxy of, of progress in the session. But but Broderick sort of chimed in and said, well, well he disagrees. And Broderick's point, and, and you can elaborate now, Broderick, but, but your point no, no, was the, the, yeah, I'm going to pass the mic over to you in a second, but your point was along the lines, and there is definitely some weight in this, Tommy, and you'll probably agree, and our listeners will go, oh, yeah, yep. that's actually just as relevant, is the quality of the session. You know, yes. where he puts a lot of steed into, 
Yeah, but was did you really did you really get the session? Was the and and I think you've referenced um, you know back in the day with with Tom Platts and these guys that that really took it to the the next level where the the session was was absolute. So every session was you trained to the maximum of your ability rather than adding a bit of load on the bar. Great, great session. You moved it from A to B. Uh huh. Got I got an extra five kilos on my back squat. Uh, done. But I'm I'm not growing. I, I don't know what what it's not working. And then the next person. You know, they may not have added low to the bar, but the but the actual work they immerse themselves the in the work. Intention behind it, yeah. The 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 yeah. It was just it was just so much more meaningful. It's a really yeah. hard thing to gauge. But uh, let's talk about that, Broderick, because I find that absolutely fascinating. Where and and Broderick actually said where he will. If the load's not going on, he will, okay, no load today. Let's focus on, on technique and, and they lift the same load, but you know, a much more stimulating workout and, and, and you sort of dust the hands at the end of the workout and feel like you accomplished something mm. rather than just focusing or obsessing about load on the bar, which we all acknowledge progressive overload is absolute and it needs to be, uh, that law needs to be respected. But within that, there's also, hey, let's look at how productive the actual session is. Can we can we explore that concept yes. uh, and how you sort of gauge that, Broderick, and and what would be the proxy on uh, when you would when you'd not uh, try and chase that load and, and and just sort of take a step sideways and um, and go for the more the feel of the workout. Absolutely. Let, let me start with um, something you you alluded to, and I think I said it to you yesterday. You just did, didn't repeat it in this particular iteration. Is that I try very hard to look at the workout as a one unit, as a body, rather than, oh, how did you bench press today, or how did you deadlift, or how did you squat, or, oh, I set a PR in the overhead press. You can set a PR in the overhead press and still suck donkey balls the rest of the session <laughs> that's not to me a good workout i yeah. want a workout from the time you walked in the door to the time you walked out the door did you accomplish what you wanted to do you feel like the the the, the bar was raised as it yeah. were did yeah. you or did you not win that's yeah. what i want i want you to leave with the idea that i fucking won yeah. the, 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 the game was on i prevailed i'm going home now that's the attitude i want you to leave with <laughs> or even even, even even separately, but you know less so. But even if at the end of the workout you're laying face down, you're like, "Fuck, I got run over. I didn't win." That's how I measure the workout, not, "Ooh, I really uh, greased my bent over rows." Like, I don't give a fuck. I don't care. There's not a contest for that. We're not doing that. <laughs> I need the workout as a whole to be what I want it to be, mm -hmm. and then I need a succession of workouts to be what I want them to be. So th the mindset from the very beginning is a little different mm -hmm. than other people. And in terms of, you know, oh, strength is the ultimate arbiter, I hear, uh, you know, Lyle McDonald is a good friend of mine, he's very much of that mindset. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, so am I, but not in the bookkeeper accountant kind of way that Lyle is, and I, and I say that with affection, I love the guy. He just thinks differently than me. Um, in that he's a very sets and reps and even like micro plates, I put one quarter kilogram on this set and therefore I'm stronger and yeah you are, but I also think you're obsessing unnecessarily and I think your desire to do that can skew your behavior in such a way that you know it's kind of like you can't perform an experiment without influencing the experiment uh, I kind of think that goes on and when I design workouts I oftentimes design them in such a way that over the course of a mesocycle the loads actually go down because the difficulty and complexity of the workout is going up 
So, in, you know, in initially in the first workout, you're squatting 150 kilo, kilograms for 10 reps. And in the last workout, you're only squatting 100 kilograms for 10 or 12 reps. But it's now after leg curls, leg extensions, hack squats, you know, sled pushes and what have you. The sheer fact that you're able to squat anything at that protracted point means you're actually a, quite a lot better. Now, yeah. to jump and talk about how I do actually think that strength is the ultimate arbiter, I think of it, again, more in the big picture that, okay, if your maximum 10-rep squat today is 150 kilograms, today, next year, it better be 180 kilograms. Mm. But it doesn't have to be linearly to, to that point. Yeah. It can be all over the place between here and there. I simply want to see benchmark progress over long intervals of time what goes on in the middle could be chaos mm. yes yeah, so or, the or seemingly chaos yeah well it comes back to your uh you know one of the things that you're famous for is that av averages over time are what what, yeah. what matters and to get fixated Absolutely. as much as i'm gonna say look i i i i, I do go down that route where i want to see load added on the bar but i certainly want to see that load added on the bar not at the expense of foregoing the session and the quality of the session, which is what you're fundamentally alluding to, is is that's that, that's the that's the proxy of progress. Whether they they're actually getting the workout, and and I think it's something that uh, I think Tommy, you're good at. I think I have the skill set. Like I know if I've had a good workout, but then there are many out there that that do tick the boxes. It's like well, added load. It was a good workout, but like Broderick pointed out, well, great, you pee out an overhead press, but everything else sucked. Donkey's balls, I think, yeah, yeah. is the term. Which is uh, we're going to get that on the uh, the t-shirt, the under the bar t-shirt. But and and it's really hard to when you have this conversation with some of these. Like on paper, it looks like they're progressing well. Numbers are coming up, but they're not responding. It's like many, like it's almost like you want to go into the gym, just get a chair, just plonk it next to the squat rack, fold the arms, cross the one leg on top of the other and just watch them. Devils and then the go, uh, no, stop. Okay, this is absolute garbage. This is how you've been training the whole time. This is the reason why you're not progressing. Yes, you're adding load, but you're adding load because you're a pussy for the first, you know, from the first workout, you didn't even set the numbers right or, you know, your form's terrible. You're, you're aggressing uh, your, your range of motion to get that load on. There'd be a ton of reasons why, but they just don't get the workout and I've had athletes uh, or clients shall we say slash athletes that have been like this in the past and they sort of tick the boxes they're doing everything moving everything to A to B but they're just not getting the workout mm. it's just it it, it it just does not connect it's like yes. my muscle connection just isn't there they're, they're they're just not put on this planet to, to, to bodybuild yeah. as much as they'll try they just don't get it yeah. and I think that's what you're alluding to uh, they're the, there they're, de they're the crowd that I suggest buy uh, v-neck sweaters and golf clubs <laughs> <laughs> lifting, lifting weights is really enough for them. Yeah. yeah, and and before we move on from that, Tommy, I know I know you got a, another point to make there. Uh, something that we talk about all the time, uh, in, we sort of default back to in our in our mentor sessions, and um, just the the concept that the majority of people out there, few and far between, uh, you know, everyone talks about overtraining this and that, and and I've got uh, you know I need to dig load, and and more often than not, Broderick. It's your and, and, and my opinion that, that most people are not training to the to their full capacity and they really could be training much harder than what they are mm. and they really could be getting better progress than what they are at this point in time Absolutely. and they could really look better on stage than what they did and and is that your experience that the, the, the with that I mean obviously there's exceptions to the rule and perhaps when they're with you for some duration you manage to get them to perform at a certain uh, level Broderick but would you say looking around am amongst your uh, 
I think you're 32. Uh, you're like 32 years on the planet. Uh, would you say that that is the, you know, that's usually the case where people could actually be doing much more and the body is capable of much more, I might point out. I've been lifting weights more than 32 years. Um, <laughs> I, I, I've been on this planet almost 46, and I've been lifting weights, uh, shit, 36 of them. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah. Um, well, I, l l really quick, I won't because I know this isn't the point you want here, but I'll really quick. I actually consider overtraining basically two different concepts. Um, one is the actual degradation of physical capabilities you've trained yourself to such a point where the body can no longer keep pace mm. that's fucking rare mm. you have to really really be a hateful <laughs> mean son of a bitch to do that to yourself i have done it i've watched tom platts do it i've watched a handful of other people do it but god damn is that hard mm. to literally willfully cause yourself irreparable harm day after day no your average trainee no matter what they think of themselves and no matter what crossfit tells them and pats them on the head no they're not doing that they're, they're just not mm. um most of what falls under the heading of overtraining in general population is emotional weathering they're they're psychologically and emotionally tired mm. and that's a real thing and it, it, it really needs to be treated and dealt with and managed but mm. it's not that Physical. they're breaking themselves physically this oh i have adrenal fatigue and i've got fibromyalgia and i've got no shut up you don't just <laughs> shut up you're wrong <laughs> foolish yeah. um you know that they're there that's probably where i would start that argument is most of what you find is overtraining is just emotional yeah. reprieve they're tired mm. and that's fine and those people can have all the reprieve they want but if you take somebody with good genetics good work ethic and in my case good pharmacology there's almost no limit to the amount or or in effort intensive work they could do mm. literally almost no level i mean we have guys now that are you know riding bicycles up the sides of fucking mountains at 40 miles an hour for 20 <laughs> days on end like, really yeah. we have that we, we have people that do that yeah. and you're <laughs> whining because you have to lunge every other day shut yeah. up yeah, exactly. yeah, shut yeah. up well, while we're on this then, and, and just to take a tangent, can you imagine having Broderick and Lyle McDonald in the same room? Oh, geez. Oh, my God. Oh. You'd need an escape route. You would. You um, would. It'd be great, though. It would I'd be pay. good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just sowing the seed. Yes, sowing yes. the seed. Um, uh, while we're on that, uh, on the overtraining thing, Broderick, then what, what, when it comes down to a, a lack of progress or busting plateaus, what, what are some of the different uh, scenarios and then yeah. methods you use athletes versus bodybuilders? Yeah, and what uh, I suppose uh, chime in there, Tommy. What 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 is the main cause of a plateau? Like, why do you feel? I mean, is it what we just spoke about? A lack of uh, effort in session. Well, plateau is a whole different animal, uh, at least in my version of the world. Uh, a plateau is something where you recognize that there's not necessarily a lot of linear progress. It doesn't in any way reflect from understanding of biology and, and physiology that anything is wrong. You can train yourself to such a point that measurable progress is so small that it's essentially undetectable. And so long periods of training can take place without any measurable changes in your performance that doesn't mean something's wrong or that you're doing anything wrong it simply means you're humming along at such a highly refined level 
that it's going to take a long time to recognize progress. That, to me, is a plateau. Okay. And in honesty, that's a good thing. I commend myself for pushing somebody to that point. I feel like that's something I've accomplished my goal. That's not the same as, oh, you're so overtrained, you need to stop. It just means that things are going to move a little slower from here. Mm. Uh, you and, know, and, in terms of progress. And, okay. Now, they you always get this song and dance. Well, if I took a week off and then I come back, I, I see a lot of progress again. I'm like, yeah, you do. But does that mean this time next year you would be further ahead by having taken time yeah. off? One step forward, one less step back. Training tip, le less training typically doesn't equate to more pro results, typically. And and I think uh, we've had you on the program before where, you know, you, you sort of suggest, uh, certainly you've said it to me, when things feel like they're plateauing, that's when you actually start progressing. When you get through that that period of a, of a plateau and, and, and dig deep and push through, that's when you make some real leaps and bounds when you have to think laterally and actually get through that plateau. Right. And not just leaps and bounds, but the the progress you make is real and meaningful. Yeah. It's not, oh, I got better at bench pressing. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean you got stronger or got more muscle. But if you're really, really good at bench pressing and you put five pounds on the bar, that five pounds is real. Yeah. It's undeniably real. Mm -hmm. You generated more muscle, that muscle lifted that extra five pounds. It wasn't, ooh, I really greased my groove and my reps were better. Well, that just means that most of the time you suck at it and you happen to have a good day. Yeah. yeah. So yep, yep. in my mind, a plateau is actually a really good thing. So I kind of uh, don't even consider that in my vernacular when I'm talking about overtraining or why people aren't getting results. Most of the time people aren't getting results because they're not nearly as committed as they believe they are. They're not eating nearly as well as they think they are. They're okay. certainly not pushing the pharmacological envelope as much as they think they are. And then lastly, they're just not training that hard. You have time to dick around with your iPhone and send people messages about how hard you're training. Uh, you're going to get your ass kicked by the guy I'm training because he's laying on the floor wheezing during that period mm. uh, where you're sending the messages and tweeting out your awesomeness. Yeah, so okay. you see uh, a plateau as an opportunity to solve a problem and make progress. Yes, yes. Absolutely. Yes. That's great. And then you would probably put it put it down to plateaus being more a result of, of their application rather than... Uh, are fundamentally reaching their limit it's it's probably there's there's a lot of flaws in what they're doing and uh best place to start is looking there rather than um you know deloading or or, or thinking about uh backing off the volume or, or changing the program that's good uh, th think about it this way I, I know you guys to some degree appreciate my analogies think about it this way if you think about workouts as your work it's your job What's going to generate you more income, going to work or not going to work? There's always the occasion where taking the day off or the week off or going on vacation will allow you to come back to work and be extra super productive. Yeah. But in general, punching a clock day in and day out is how you make your fucking living. Yeah. Typically, mm. taking time off doesn't make you more money. It's the other way around. I think it's as simple as that. Yeah. I think this is good, Tommy. There seems to be a little bit of a theme where... You know, uh, nutritionally, we got you and I both got our head around that. Eh, more often than not, come down. It's uh, it's look. Yeah, this might be happening. That sleep's not so good. Stress is doing this, yeah. but break all that down. It's it's it means this is happening. That's happening, which means compliance is poor, which means energy balance is out of whack. 
Yeah. So it's come back to that energy balance thing. And much like what Broderick's alluding to there, eh, lack of progress, let's break it all down. And okay, you do predominantly garbage workouts and there's your reason for a lack of progress. Let's yeah. get back to the basics. Let's, you know, tick all the boxes of what we know works and, and actually get out of it. I mean, it is effing hard. You know, if you want to progress, yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but... Yeah, you know, it's it's, and I know Broderick. I've seen videos of you training. I mean, it's a it's an unpleasant it's an unpleasant it's experience. Process, yeah. It's it's not you're challenging the body. You're disrupting homeostasis. It should feel uncomfortable. Mm. Let, know, let me it, let me just just because it's perfectly placed. Let me let me tell you one of my first memories of of being around Tom Platts. I actually very first time I ever met him was in the middle of one of his squat workouts and I literally watched him I hadn't even been introduced yet hadn't even shook the man's hand I was just standing there like this dumbfounded you know gangly goofy child I was I think 15 years old and I'm, I'm standing like 10 12 feet away from the squat rack watching this man and he walked under the, he wrapped a towel around the bar uh, and he, he, he you know had a little kind of a ritual he did he put the bar on about 405 pounds four plates on either side of the bar and he stepped back and he did 40 repetitions in the high bar squat. Ass to heels, 40 repetitions with 405. Now, here's the part that's relevant. He racks the bar, he stumbles in, racks the bar, and he just collapses in a heap at the bottom of the squat rack. He's laying at the bottom of the squat rack, literally, out loud, verbally, praying for death because that would be preferable than getting up and doing 30 more repetitions. He really rather would have died and there was no cameras there was no like this wasn't you know filmed for television movie Mm. this is just this dude really that hit at that moment his preference would be no longer living rather than holy fuck i gotta get up and do that again and i watched 30 and 20 repetitions in succession just with the same mindset like i really would rather die than do this but i have to do this and and i'm sure you could go through you know all of the greatest athletes and all the various disciplines and and find the same core elements yeah never say die attitude absolutely but that to me that's the thing is when i tell people hey i'm probably a little skewed that's what I'm talking That's about. Talking My about. earliest yeah. impressions in this were people that were literally trying to kill themselves. They were trying to end themselves. You know, Tom's idea of a good workout would be the one he just didn't come home from. Like, fuck, that was an amazing workout. I died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So given that, we, as we, uh, we better wrap this one up, Broderick, but... I mean, do you prefer working with uh, with athletes or bodybuilders, or are you just looking for individuals that have that core element? That's what it is, really, is I screen people probably my – I consider Mike Isertel my business uh, manager, and uh, <laughs> and, and he, consist, he consistently criticizes me for not making as much money as I could, turning people away, choosing not to do this or that. And the reality is it's not it, – it, I, I, obviously, I have to feed my family. I have to make a living, uh, but I just don't perform well myself if I don't have the proper medium. And the medium is somebody that's gonna understand the shit I say. When I say train as hard as you can, I'm talking about laying on the floor praying for death. I'm not talking about doing a set and then tweeting your 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 hubby about how great you are. That's there's a difference. And if I don't get in front of the proper demographic, essentially all of my skills are are invalid. So I yes, I very much screen people for for it, for that, 
yeah. if they have that, I don't care. They can play ping pong. I don't care. It's if they have that, I'm going to be able to communicate, and my skill set's going to relate, and we're going to make progress. Awesome, absolutely fascinating, Tom. And I guess it sort of lends itself to to you know for those out there that are listening, what level of um, uh, psychological. Uh, mm. Uh, maturity you need to be in to to really Look, I, I to think really progress and, and take your body to that next yeah, level. Yeah, I don't even know if you can develop it. I think yeah, it has I, to I be. Yeah, I think you can either. It's inherent in the activity you've chosen. That's yeah. why you've chosen that activity. It's yeah. your purpose. You know what I mean? Yeah. It can definitely be honed, but you have to agree. You have to be open to the ability. But like any ability, it can be honed. Uh, I remember um, um, Trevor Smith, a great uh, UK bodybuilder, who. When I say great bodybuilder, I don't always mean they had an awesome physique. I mean, as a bodybuilder, performing the activities and and lifestyle of a bodybuilder, he was very exceptional. And one of the things he always said in his talks is, he said, if you have a free minute, if if your hands aren't engaged doing something, he said, you should stop and say, what would be the most beneficial thing to bodybuilding right now? And then go do that. Mm. Is if you literally don't have something to do right then, do something that's going to promote bodybuilding. Yeah. Whether it's stretch, eat. touch your toes, eat a cheese eat. sandwich, whatever the fuck it is, eat. that's what you need to do. Yeah. And eat, live, and people breathe. don't really think that way. Uh, no, and, well, and it I needs mean, to be trained, you need yeah. to practice. You could actually, you could ask that same question about your life in general. Exactly. You know, if you're not, Absolutely. what am I doing? If you're a, yeah, if you're a mathematician or an engineer or yeah. a, a, an artist, you could say, what would be the most artistic thing I could be doing right now? I'll go do that. Absolutely. Yeah. But that's the thing is you need to understand that you need to have that thought and then you need to have the perseverance to then get off your ass and go do that. And that's where most people fail the test. So if there's anyone listening to this podcast that thinks they do have that core <laughs> good luck and they uh, and they've they've come up against a, a problem that needs solving or a plateau that needs uh, they navigating need to, around they need to take their physique to that next level Tommy how do they get in contact with you Broderick um my website and all of my associated uh, social media goodness is team evil gsp whether that's .com or at Twitter or at Facebook, uh, at YouTube, is Team Evil GSP. So anyone can find me through any of those uh, modalities. And you're quite uh, quite open for consults, obviously, that we do every week. Tommy's done a couple and a few of my colleagues have, so uh, more than happy to do that side of things for anyone that's listening to yeah. Absolutely, but in, in the tenor of this conversation, I will warn people, uh, you're going to get a big steam and heap of me. Uh, don't, don't, <laughs> expect, don't expect I tone it down uh, for different uh, demographics or people. Sugar-coated. You get what you get. I- I'm me. Yeah, awesome. Beautiful. All right, Broderick, absolute pleasure once again. We'll uh, look forward to chatting again soon uh, in the future. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thank you, mate. The evil genius Broderick Chavez there for well it's like a two-part series Rodden so we had the two athletes part. versus bodybuilders there okay and uh, next week he'll be back for enhanced versus natural some good uh, facts and figures there Tommy the uh, the carbohydrates um, the amounts he likes to use but also the uh, the, the timing, timing. Mm. yeah, yeah. With, with with athletes being a little more crucial yeah fun. although you know I had to uh, get my point across being the yeah but twice a day's man twice a day yeah. you know if it was both volume 
you know, maybe there's an same argument muscle for group. body. Uh, yeah, yeah, same yeah. muscle group. So. That might be a conversation for another day, actually. Uh, mm. uh, the the values, benefits of twice a day training. Yeah, he's, it's like he's got some interesting opinions on that. Definitely. Um, yeah, I thought that was fascinating and and also interesting that you know the big bodybuilders don't necessarily need as much protein as as the athlete. Yeah, and I guess that would be the. Um yeah, then between the 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 performance at said activity, and, yeah. and you can attest to this. You know, this week you said that uh, the body was feeling pretty beat up after that. They, they, although it was you know just a cricket game, and yeah. at first glance you would you would assume compared to track and field or you know other sporting endeavours yeah. that it would be less. It's less well, significant. It was, so I batted for about twenty overs or so, and and running up and down in between the wickets. So I probably would have done you know the pitches maybe. 20 meters long and so you spend so how long were you in the doing all that oh that took about three hours okay so two long. or three hours so is that and probably would have run up and down that you know sprinted up and down the pitch maybe i don't know a hundred yeah. times a couple yeah. hundred you know, 150 times up. it does add up your knees were so sore yeah you know? plus you got be wearing all the gear a yep. lot heavier blah yep. blah blah so yeah but interesting so, that uh, you, the body actually really like you probably if you were left to your own ad ad libitum uh, dieting would probably, you know, fuel up quite significantly. You felt the body needed, yeah, it, which would make sense with what yeah. Broderick was saying. That yeah, athletes definitely. do have, need the, you know, on paper at least the higher protein and um, caloric intake compared mm. to a bodybuilder. Well, look, it'll be fascinating. I mean, he alluded to some of the enhancement stuff during yeah. that. Yeah, next week's going to be juicy, juicy, yeah. meaty. Yeah, don't miss out on next week. Like a week. nice meaty hindquarter. <laughs> yeah, can't get enough of it. Righto, that's been another episode of the Under the Bar podcast. So, if they're interested, uh, contact you. Yeah, TomHewitt.com.au. Me, just uh, social media, the Dubois Method. Don't yep. bother with the website. Nah, don't bother. Don't with that. bother the website. Uh, Cam. Do you have a website, Cam? No, nah. just get him on uh, get him on Facey. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. All right, guys. See you next week. Bye. See you next week. Bye.